morning and welcome back to our series entitled, Why? Why? We've had a bunch of why questions and um, we spent a number of weeks and in between some of Mother's Day and Father's Day and, and guests to either missionaries or, or guest uh, ministries. Um, we've explored a number of things. We began by asking the question, why don't I always feel God? And seeing that it's not all based on feelings when it comes to our relationship with Him. But I spent a number of weeks looking at the why question. Uh, why doesn't God answer my prayers? A pretty, pretty common one. We say, well, I pray and nothing seems to happen. Or, or I pray and, and, well, it seems like there's an answer, but it's not the answer I want. And we, we spent some time exploring some of the, the biblical uh, principles when it comes to that. Then we spent as well a, a couple of weeks looking at this why when it comes to Pentecost. What is Pentecost? What is the baptism in the Holy Spirit? What do we mean when we look to the Word of God in the book of Acts and we see the initial physical evidence being speaking with other tongues? Why Pentecost? Why the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Well, this morning we're going to begin looking at uh, what's probably the most common, the most familiar, the most asked why question chances are good that you've either asked this question or you've had it asked you've heard it asked the question is this why do bad things happen sometimes people will kind of complete that and say well why do bad things happen to good people or flipped around why do good things happen to bad people now, let me ask you if you've asked that question, if you've heard of somebody ask that question, would you raise your hand in here? Bunch of hands. We've heard, we've asked, we've understood that people ask these questions. Because when it comes to difficulties and tragedies in life, they say, well, why did this happen? Why, why did God stop this from happening? Don't feel bad if you've asked that question. It's something that many people have asked. In fact, if you look in the Word of God, there's some very similar kinds of questions from some of these godly individuals in the pages of Scripture. Abraham put it kind of like this. He said, should not the judge of this world, meaning God, shouldn't the judge of the world do right, do good? Moses said, God, why don't you treat your people as they deserve? Jeremiah said, why do the wicked prosper? It's kind of a, you know, why are the bad people seemingly having it all? David asked a lot of questions. You read through the Psalms, David had some very open and honest why questions. God, why this and what about this and why that? He was ask, always asking some of these why questions. Why don't you help? Why don't you deliver? Why does life sometimes not seem fair? All kind of tying in with this why do bad things happen? Asked a different way, maybe in, in more of today's context, Many people will look at society and say, well, why do all these bad things happen? We're aware about a hurricane that's making its way and, and heading up, hitting the Gulf and hitting U.S. soil and shores and, and then coming inland. And, and when hurricanes happen, when earthquakes happen, when those tragedies happen, come the questions, right? Well, where was God? 
Why didn't God keep that hurricane from happening? Keep that earthquake from happening? Keep that tornado from happening? When a school shooting or a mass shooting takes place in one of our cities and the lives are lost, people say, why? Why did this have to happen or why did it not, why was it not stopped from happening? Maybe people then make it a little bit more personal and, and as opposed to the disaster over here or the shooting over there or the earthquake over here, people ask about individuals that they know. Maybe it's their family member or their neighbor or, or their classmate or their coworker, and they say, well, why did so-and-so get cancer? Or why is so-and-so going through these heart issues? Why is this individual in the hospital? Question after question after question. And we make it kind of personal too. Well, why am I going through this? Why did I have this physical situation, this financial situation? Why, why, why? Why do these bad things happen? Doesn't seem right, God. Doesn't seem fair, God. Because we can always find somebody else who doesn't seem to have what we have, right? Who doesn't seem to face what it is that maybe you face. On the flip side, there's always individuals who can be worse off and facing more and, and struggling with more. Author C.S. Lewis wrote this in his book, The Problem of Pain. And he, he kind of tried to summarize what people's thoughts and questions to God would be. He wrote this, if God were good, he would wish to make his creatures perfectly happy. And if God were almighty, he would be able to do what he wished. But the creatures are not happy. Therefore, God lacks either goodness or power or both. This, he says, is the problem of pain. He wrote what many people say, what many people think. Maybe you've heard it. Maybe you've even thought it or questioned it yourself. And it goes something like this. In the midst of difficulty, in the midst of heartache or sorrow or physical or financial burden or in the midst of a tragedy across our world, people would say, why, God? And they would say this. Either God can't, or he won't stop or save or halt or whatever the case might be. And here's what they're really asking or questioning. When people say God can't, they're basically questioning his power and his mind. They're saying God's not powerful or God's not strong enough to stop this from happening. And so people would say, well, I guess God can't. On the other hand, there's individuals who would say, well, maybe God won't. Maybe God can't, but maybe God can, but he, he chooses not to, and so he won't. Meaning, he, he must not be a good or a loving God, because if he was, he would step in. What do you think about that? Is God powerful? Is God kind? Is God loving? Psalm 34, verse 8. This is one of many, 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 did I say many, 
scriptures about God. Psalm 34, 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. I mean, just flip to... Flip to the back of your Bible. If your Bible is one that has a concordance, if you're digitally on your phone or on a tablet, type in the word good and press search and you will see scripture after scripture after scripture that talks about the goodness and the grace and the mercy and the kindness and the love of God. Yes, God is a good God. Yes, he is a kind God. Yes, he is a loving God. In fact, this, this entire book, God's Word, it's literally, as, as many people have said, it's his love letter to mankind. As he writes about and we read about his love for you and I. His desire for you and I to be saved and forgiven and set free of sin and to live eternally with him in heaven. He's a good God beyond measure. Yes, God is good. What about his strength? What about his power and might? Is he powerful? Isaiah chapter 40, verse 25. Again, one of many, many, many scriptures. It says, to whom will you compare me? This is the Lord speaking. Or who is my equal, says the Holy One, says God. Lift your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them by name. You and I have seen some powerful people, right? We've seen some pretty powerful people on television, and whether they're powerful because of wealth or powerful because of influence or powerful because of physical stature. But you and I have never seen someone who can literally call out the stars by name created the universe just a couple of weeks ago our family was with uh, many of you as well at heartland for family camp and one of the evening activities was a uh, it was kind of a a glow hike we we wore some glow-in-the-dark bracelets and necklaces so we could kind of see each other as we made our way through the uh, through the forest and through the woods and they would teach about bats and all kinds of things. I found some pretty interesting things about bats and frequencies and how they use frequencies to find mosquitoes and fascinating. But they also took us out into the clearing and as it was not quite pitch black, it was about 10 o'clock maybe, 10, 15. But the sky was starting to be dark and they would point up to the sky and did a, just a brief teaching on some of the constellations and the stars and, and some of the things that you could understand. That was two weeks ago, and I don't remember much more than North Star, right? How many of you know North Star and Big Dipper? Those are some of the main ones. They rattled off a few others, and well, if you find this, it'll lead you to this one, it'll lead you to this, and, and see that one, and they're, and they're pointing and describing, and just within two weeks, I'm forgetting some of the names and some of the constellations. Here's God himself who has created and called out the stars one by one by name. You want to talk about might? You want to talk about power? That's God. And look at so many other scriptures in your concordance, in your Bibles, about his power, his might, his strength. 
So is God kind and loving? Yes. Is he mighty and powerful? Absolutely. So then why doesn't he just wipe out sin and wipe out evil and just keep all the bad stuff from happening? Boy, it's a challenge. Here's a powerful thing, though. In addition to his might and power, in addition to his love and kindness, in his might, in his kindness, he has created you and he's created me with something called free will. Oh, wow. Free will. You see, we can't, we can't have it both ways. We can't have free will and yet eliminate the very possibility or existence of evil. If we've got free will, we've got the choice that we can do wrong. And we can do sin. And we can do evil things. God did not create us as a robot. God doesn't have his hand upon us where he is forcing us to do things every single day. We've got this free will and free option and free choice. And as God created that, he gave us the capability of honoring him, loving him, surrendering to him. It, it's that choice that we have. You and I have that. And I trust you have made the choice that you have chosen to surrender to God. You and I have that choice. You know what we also have the choice to do? We can choose to reject God. We can choose to walk away. We can choose to hate or come against everything that God stands for. We can choose to ignore him if we want. He's given us that free will. So when people act outside of God's will, God's direction, God's vision, guess what tends to be the result? Sin, evil, suffering. God stamps out every aspect of evil. He's taken away our opportunity of choice and free will. So because of our fallen natures, because of our own evil choices, there's a lot of opportunities. The balance of our time, I want to share three quick thoughts from God's word as to why. Why do some of these bad things happen? We've, we've introduced some of them already. Number one, it's because we live in a world of sin. We live in a world of sin. It's a sin-stained world. Open up the, the pages of Scripture. Read those opening chapters of Genesis. Doesn't it seem so completely different than the world we're living in? As God created Adam and Eve and, and God created all uh, the, you know, the universe, the trees and the animals and the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, all of those things, there's this little summary as we read through, and God created it and it was good. Everything he created was good. Can you imagine living in that kind of an opportunity with God and all that he had created and with his plan? 
God created Adam. The Bible says it's not good that Adam be alone, so he, he created Eve. So you've got Adam and Eve, they're naming these animals. And he gave them instructions, right? Instructions to obey. But he did not create them as a robot where he forced them to obey. He gave them that free will, that free opportunity. And you read the Bible as I read the Bible, and they both sinned. Don't things look a little different as you read into Genesis after sin versus before that? This is a sinful and fallen world. When they sinned, what happened? There was disobedience, there was sin, and as a result of sin was what? Consequences, punishment, curses. They had free will, but they chose to sin, and as a result, what? Sickness, pain, and death. They exercised their free will. They rebelled against God. And all of these, all of the, the punishment and consequences came rolling in after sin. We live in a world of sin. Here's what Genesis 3, verses 17 and 18 describes it. Genesis 1 and 2, it's creation and everything is good that he's created. It's good, it's good, it's good. They sin, and in Genesis 3, 17 and 18, God says, Cursed is the ground because of you, meaning because of you and your sin. Through painful toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. I didn't see thorns or thistles in Genesis chapter 1. And God created thorns and it was good. God created thistles and it was good. I, I didn't see that in there. But everything God had created was good. Adam and Eve sins. There's disobedience. There's sin. There's consequence. There's punishment. We live in a sinful world. Now, you read the book of Genesis after the fall, after those sins, and that world... It looks a lot like our world, right? There's arguing and fighting and disagreement and this person and that person. It's because we live in a world filled with sin. So it's not just that it's a sin-filled, sin-stained world, but at times some of our suffering is caused by our own sin. Let's be cautious about that. Because some of the teachings that are being espoused is well if you've got this wrong in your life it's because of sin they're taking two totally disconnected things and saying you sinned over here and you've got a consequence over here we, we've got to be cautious that we don't just say every single thing is related to something but here's what we do know when you and I sin many times there are consequences as a result of that sin true if an individual chooses not to take care of their bodies and maybe they they fill it with alcohol they fill it with drugs they fill it with all kinds of uh, sexual relationships that are against God's plan and against God's design and then they wonder why in the world we're going through some of these physical situations Many of those things are consequences of the choices and the sinful actions that were taking place. 
Here's how Paul writes about it in Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. He says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. We reap what we sow. We see that in the natural, don't we? It's been a little bit of a struggle this particular year for farmers as they are sowing. You see a lot less fields sowed and, and uh, growing corn and soybeans than we've had in the past because of the incredible amount of rain. But if you sow corn, what are you going to reap? Corn. You sow soybeans, what are you going to reap? Soybeans. You reap what you sow. That's the end result. That's the consequence of what it is that you are sowing. When Paul's writing this, he's not simply talking about plants. He's saying the things that we do in our lives, we reap what we sow. When we choose to make sinful, self-filled decisions and we go against God, we're going to reap some of those consequences so many times people look up and they say well why in the world am i in this situation many times it can be traced back it's things that we have chosen to do we have sinned against god and we've put ourselves in some bad situations some physical situations and some of that suffering is a result of the sinful things we have sown a lot of our misery is caused by sowing the wrong seeds. We go against God's will. We go against God's word and then wonder how in the world we have consequences. We go against God's word and lie and then we get mad because we got caught in a lie. That comes back to us lying. True? It's not somebody else's fault that I lied. So there are all kinds of things, our choices, our sins, our decisions that lead to consequences. Many consequences of our sinful behaviors. So we live in a sinful world. Many times we make sinful decisions. We go against God as well. In a life filled with sin, sometimes other people's sinful decisions affect us if some other individual designs to disregard the law about drinking and driving or disregard the law about the speed limit and gets into an accident you might be following to the letter of the law but maybe by somebody else's choice or decision you're affected think about from scripture old testament we see a young man who is really trying to follow and serve God by the name of Joseph. Penalized and punished, if you would, by his brothers and their jealousy. Thrown into the pit. Sold into slavery. He's trying to follow God. He's saying, hey, God's got this call in my life. There, there's this in, incredible dream and vision. 
Their jealousy gets the best of him, and based on their sin, they sell him into slavery. He ends up in Potiphar's house. He is following and honoring and serving God. He is being promoted even as a slave, as a servant in the house of Potiphar. Everything is under his control and under his command, except Potiphar's wife, right? Based on her choice, her decision, he rejects, he says no, he stands firm for God, and where does he end up? In the prison. So in some cases, there are individuals, and you're trying to follow and trying to serve God, and based on other individuals and situations, sometimes we suffer based on the sinful life. Terrorists, criminals, thieves, you look all through culture and society, there's a lot of ways where innocent and in some cases, very godly people will suffer by somebody else's sin or choice or decision. But it all comes down to the world of sin. And it's based on the, the choices, the freedom that we have. So yes, why are there some bad things in the world? It's, it's based off of sin. Secondly, also the influence of Satan. You look through the word of God and you can see his desire to oppose God and the, to oppose everything about him. Think about the, the story of Job in the Old Testament. God said, here's Job and he's my servant and, and there's no one like him and Satan. Satan had to come and ask for permission of God to tempt or to come at Job. Doesn't that give us a clue and a, a reminder about where the strength really is? When people are saying, well, where's God? Where's God? Where's God? God is strong. God is powerful. God is loving. Even Satan has to kind of grovel before him to have some opportunity. But based on what Satan did, what happened? Job basically lost it all, including some physical health issues. And it chose to follow and chose to serve God. But the influence of, of Satan in our, in our lives, in our world, we've got to be cautious. See, there's, there's two spectrums. On the one hand, we could say everything is about Satan and, and he's behind everything. On the other hand, if we're not careful, we completely overlook and say, He's not doing anything. We know that he's at work. We know that he is, he is moving and he is trying to thwart and stop the power of God. But we've got to be balanced. There's sin in our world. The influence of Satan in our world is real. Many of the things come as a result of the enemy's destructive designs. Hatred and war and oppression and evil. Many times, any cunning and crafty, he works behind the scenes to, to get people to make bad choices, bad decisions. What, is, what does Jesus have to say about the enemy? Here's a couple of his quotes. John 8, 44, Jesus refers to him. He says, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. 
He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he's a liar and the father of lies. Pretty clear-cut description and depiction of who the enemy is. Yes, our our world is filled with sin. We've, We've got the free opportunity, the free choice to sin. But Jesus is saying, here's the enemy, here's Satan. How does he describe him? Murderer, no truth, lies, liar, father of lies. Two chapters later in John 10, 10, he says, the thief, referring to the enemy, comes to steal and kill and destroy. Those are the things he would put on his business card if he had one. And Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. So who is truly about help and health and power? Jesus is desiring abundant life. He says the enemy is out to steal, kill, and destroy. We live in a a world that, yes, it is filled with sin, and we've got opportunities and options. We can choose to do wrong. We can choose to turn away. We can choose to walk away from God. But the enemy, he's also at work. He's also encouraging, also nudging, also tempting. We live in a world filled with sin. We live in a world that certainly has the impact and the influence of Satan in it. And in the midst of that, here's a third thing that we also understand. We live in a world that's also filled with the providence of God. The providence of God, meaning what? Meaning that God understands, God knows what's taken place, God is in control. Does that mean that God causes everything? God gets blamed for all kinds of things. We live in a world filled with sin. We live in a world where people have gone against God, done their own thing, and as a result of sin, there's many consequences. As a result of the influence of the enemy, there's many consequences. But everything is blamed on God. Well, God did this or God didn't do that. Here's what we know. The providence of God says... God is aware of what's taking place. And even in the midst of a world of hurt, even in the midst of a world filled with sin, even in the midst of a world that has the impact and the influence of Satan in it, God is still in control. And God can take even some of those difficulties, some of those hardships, God can even take some of those incredibly terrible consequences and use those, turn those around for his blessing and for his benefit that's the power of God that's the love of God that even in the midst of a world of sin and the impact and influence of Satan that he can take that and choose to use that not causing that but able to use that for his good for his honor for his glory it's hard to understand here here's how Isaiah writes it Isaiah 55 9 Scripture, no doubt you've heard, maybe one that goes through your mind in difficult times like this. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. 
In other words, it's hard to understand everything, but we can trust in God. Because God is powerful, because God is mighty, because God is kind, because God is loving, we can trust him even when we don't understand everything about life. We say, God, why did this happen? Why did you do this? And God gets blamed for everything. It doesn't mean that God has caused the things. God's aware of those things. But God can take even the, the bad. God can take even the disappointing and discouraging. And God's able to turn that and to use that for his honor and for his glory. Will we trust him? Even in the midst of disappointment, discouragement, will we trust him? Even in the midst of a world filled with sin, even in the midst of a world where Satan is trying his hardest to impact and attack and influence? In a world of sin, in a world of the influence of Satan, we still have the providence and the overwhelming love and power of God that we can trust in. We might not understand it. We might not see it. How, God? How can you make something good out of this? It's challenging many times. Maybe you've seen, you know, artists and they can take this canvas and a whole bunch of paint and they just turn it into something beautiful. They take this lump of clay and, and turn it into an incredible sculpture. They, they take a bunch of seemingly nothing and to turn it into the extravagant and the extraordinary. And much the same way, what we can say is, God, I don't know how you will or how you can, but God, I trust that you can and I trust that you will. In the midst of the stuff I'm going through, in the midst of the stuff that maybe our family or our friends or this person that I know is going through, God, I'm going to trust in you. We live in a world filled of sin. We live in a world where Satan is, is out to attack and to impact. But God, I'm going to trust in you. Many times people say, life's not fair. The truth is this. God is maybe not always fair, but God is just. If God were truly fair, man, we would have a whole bunch of consequences for our lives of sin and he's chosen what to give his only son Jesus Christ to die on the cross so that your sins could be forgiven so that my sins could be forgiven so life's life's not always fair but we can trust in God he is loving he is kind he is powerful he is just he doesn't give us truly what our sins deserve he he doesn't repay us according to the the heap of sins and the heap of iniquities the word of god says as far as the east is from the west he's removed our sins he's removed our iniquities in a world filled with sin in a world filled with the influence of the enemy we can trust in the love and we can trust in the power of an almighty god 